You know, pain is a lonesome place. I don't have to tell you, do I? It'll drop a rock in your stomach right through your pounding heart. And when your knees are so weak, you hit the ground and you finally realize you don't got this. Well, now you might just make it. You see, the tallest tree may not weather the storm, but its roots do. So dig in, stand up, and let the wind blow. Because there's hope. Hey, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing today? Doing good? All right. Awesome, awesome. I want to say welcome to everybody at New Life Church. And no matter what campus you're at or you're online or you're here at the Kearney campus, thank you guys so much for joining us here today. It's exciting. Uh, exciting to be able to come back together and worship. It's exciting to be able to offer kids ministry again. Moms and dads, some of you that have been going, man, it would be nice to come back to church but I don't want to have to Velcro my kid to the seat, you know. Now they can go to kids' ministry. That's exciting. I love it. I love it. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series today called Hope in the Dark. It's out of a book that you'll find in the Old Testament called Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Someone say the word with me. Habakkuk. Then let's say it one more time. Yeah, it kind of sounds a little bit like you got a fur ball in your throat. You see what I'm saying? It's got, it's got that like, like, like if, you're, if you get that kind of back throat growl sound, you probably are going to get it right. Habakkuk is in the Old Testament. You might go, well, I've never even heard of this book. It's only three chapters long, okay? So it's not super long. If you want to, you got an analog Bible with you, not a digital one, then definitely go to the table of contents in the beginning, find Habakkuk, find the page number, flip to it. No shame, people. No shame at all. If you have your smartphone or a tablet, then you can also get all of the notes that I that I've have for the sermon today on version. And on version, I gave you something super special. You're going to want to see it, okay? It's a really, really cool video at the beginning uh, of my notes. Don't watch it now, okay? It's YouTube, all right? You'll be really embarrassed if you hit play and you don't know how to turn it off. Uh, and then your phone's going, and it's just going to be really bad for you. But watch it afterwards, about five-minute overview of the book of Habakkuk done in a super, super creative way of them drawing these images and different things. You're going to love it. It's the kind of thing you'll probably watch more than once. But in five minutes, it gives you this background of this incredible book that we're going to be going through over the next couple of weeks here at New Life Church. Hope in the dark. I do have, I, I do want to let you know though that today is not going to be a typical sermon. It's just not going to feel like a normal sermon, okay? Uh, but I'm telling you today, it is the type of thing we all need to hear. Super beneficial for our lives, very practical, and the timing couldn't be really any better or slash worse. Someone's playing the video right now. In, in the Carney Auditorium. Like, right now. Exactly what I said, don't do, is exactly what's happening. <clears throat> it's very interesting. We live, we live, I'm just having fun. Okay. Well, we live in crazy times, guys. Do we live in crazy times? I mean, we live in a time where we're kind of like, what in the world is going on? Like, what's happening? Where's our nation going? Where is humanity going? 
Well, what are people thinking, right? We just are, it's just an upheaval uh, of chaos and craziness. And I'm hearing people say things that make no sense whatsoever. I got people talking to me like, Pastor, is this the, is this the end of days? Is Jesus coming back? And I go, hey, man, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, you know, he, God said, look, I'll give you the signs of the times. The signs of the times have been around us for a long time. All right, this is just another one of those. Uh, but we live in crazy times. And as your pastor, I know this. I know that we're not just living in crazy times as a nation. We're living in crazy times in our own families. Every single family in one way or another is going through things that they never thought they were going to have to go through. That could be with family members getting sick, people losing jobs, you know, um, marriages in upheaval, sons and daughters just kind of, you know, going off on the deep end. All types of things that are happening in our lives that are bringing confusion, chaos, maybe even a sense of abandonment, right? And all of us are in this. I'm in this with you as well right now. Uh, many of you know that Kim and I, uh, we have four, four children. They're all adults. They're all, they're all married. Uh, we've got seven grandchildren. Come on, somebody give it up for grandchildren, right? I love them. I love them. Yeah, I love to spoil them, okay? If you don't like to spoil them, all right, let me just tell you one good reason why you should be saving money right now, okay? It's not for your kids. It's to spoil your grandchildren, all right? Save money now so that you can do that. Okay, so I just tell your kids I love you, but I love what's coming next. Okay, my oldest daughter, Brittany, she married uh, a gentleman by the name of Edward King III, people. Come on, Edward King III. That's a great name, isn't it? We affectionately refer to him as Tank. He, he is, he's a big dude, all right? I mean, he's the kind of guy that I, I played quarterback in high school. He's the kind of guy I would go hike. Drop back with great assurance, knowing that he's on the front line, okay? And I love that about, about Tank. But Tank and, and Brittany, are, they're like gentle giants. They love people. They love God. I mean, they are sweet-natured, tender-hearted. They're amazing. I love them. And if you're watching this right now, I'm just telling you right now, I love you guys. You're awesome. They've been married for a number of years uh, they've had a desire to have a number of kids. They, their idea of life is this, like the bigger the family, the better, okay? We had four. I don't know, what we, I don't know how we made it look easy for them uh, to make them think that, wow, we should have more than four. But that's their desire, okay? That's your kids. But they can't have kids. And it's been painful. There's been moments Many moments of tears, many, many moments of hope. They've prayed a lot. They have fasted. We have prayed with them. We have fasted with them. All to try out one medical procedure after another and end up with nothing. And they can't have kids. I mean, these guys bought a house with extra rooms in it. Just with the idea that they would fill them with kids and they would love them and they would raise children up in a way that they would know God. Raise them up in this mixed home, which, I mean, a beautiful picture for today. A beautiful picture for where our nation is at. Watching white and black come together 
and love one another as human beings. But they can't have kids. Nothing. They even took a room in their house by faith and turned it into a nursery. In my dad's heart, I'm just going to tell you right now, it was, it was weak in the faith category. When I was watching them do this, I was thinking to myself, You're, are you setting yourselves up just for one more downfall? They've got the crib and the room's been repainted and the little stuffed animals are there. And everything's ready for a baby. The only thing missing is the, the sound of a crying infant. And here they wrestle with their pain and we wrestle with them and nothing. Their prayers, it's as if they've gone unanswered. They're, they're disciplined before the Lord. It's as if no God has ever even seen it. Right? Their cries at night the tears left on a pillow, wishing that there was a baby in the house. As if they've gone and no one has even noticed it. So they decided, okay, well, if we can't have our own children, then maybe what we should do is we should, we should foster children to adopt. That's maybe how we can do about this. And they were told by others, that's a very difficult road. That's a very painstaking road. That's a road that's going to take your heart and it's going it's to beat it and it's going to rip it out and it's going to shove it back in and it's just going to be a roller coaster. But they said, but no, we sense that's what God wants us to do. So they start out, they get trained and they get a baby and there's a baby in the house and it seems as if there's a lot of joy only to discover a couple of months later that the baby's ripped back out of their house and stuck, stuck back with the parents. Now good, I mean, that, the, the baby should be with the parents. They knew that the whole time, but you know what it's like when you've gone through years of suffering and pain only to get your hopes up to have them slammed right back down. And man, my dad's heart, I was just like, what in the world, God? What are you doing? And then the phone rang again, and it's the foster agency. We know oh, you guys wanted a baby, but there's this mom, and she had four kids, four different dads. And they need a stable place. And we know that you guys can provide that for them. Would you entertain that as an idea? We believe that these four children are probably going to be brought up for adoption. And if you guys wanted them, then you guys would be first in line. And so they prayed about it and they said yes. And this family quickly went from two who had been going through suffering and pain to now these four kids that are running around the house right and they're awesome they are like little monsters <laughs> right I mean they are full of energy and vibrant and alive and the oldest one Israel he, he, he's more mature than you would think because unfortunately he's had to kind of be the the parent to his to his sisters and had to watch over them and they've lost a sibling already and they feel like they feel like it's part of their fault that they lost the sibling who I don't know all the details but they know the details and they saw the sibling die and this is their journey and I'm like wow Brit Tank I'm so proud of you guys man for loving loving people and just caring for people and then the phone rang a couple months ago hey there's this mom she's got three kids and 
These kids need a place. We don't know what the future is, but they, they need a place. Well, you take them, and they, they prayed about it, and they were like, okay, we'll do it. And then, you know, four kids turned into seven kids. And the good thing about that picture is that you buy one outfit, and it fits them all. And so now they have all these kids and they're just like trying to do what God's asked them to do only to find out last week that Tank, Tank now has been laid off. He, he lost his job because of COVID cutbacks. And I'm here. I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be the one who's the pastor who's got it all figured out. And I'm the one going, God, what in the world are you doing? What are you doing? You, you take them through this pain. They step up to the plate and they love those who otherwise are not going to be loved. And then you take their, their income away from them? Because come on, moms, you know it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job to take care of your husband, much less seven kids. You see what I'm saying? And, and maybe you're in the same place. Maybe you're in the same zone that I'm in at times. Maybe you've gone through it. Maybe you're in it. And if you haven't had either of those, it's coming for you. Suffering is coming for all of us. Wow, that's good news. But it is. This world that we live in is going to produce a suffering. I don't have all the answers. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Like, God, why would you allow this to happen? It doesn't seem fair to them. And you might be saying the same thing to your, about your own situation. It doesn't seem fair. God, like, what's going on? I don't have all the answers. The good news is this. This isn't the first time in history that people don't have the answers. We aren't the first family to walk through a situation where I can't put my finger on the answer, right? Where we're asking God why. We're not the first ones. You go all the way back 600 years before Jesus walked the earth and this minor prophet by the name of Habakkuk, okay, 2,600 years ago, is alive, and he's alive in a time that looks very much like our nation looks right now. See if it doesn't look like our nation, right? The Israelites had ignored God's word. Basically this, like if you bring it into our terms, the Israelites, they, they don't care anything about the Bible. They don't have anything to do with the Bible, okay? They're, they're turning to false gods and worshiping other gods. Sounds like us. Their judicial system has failed them. The judicial system is corrupt and it's failed them, right? Violence is everywhere. It's no longer ruled by the police or by any kind of government authority. Violence is running and ruling the streets. And, there's lead, and the leaders that have been elected to positions are corrupt. Does that sound anything like, you know, maybe like what we're living in right now? And Habakkuk is a prophet. A prophet typically does one thing. They hear from God and they communicate that to the people. But Habakkuk isn't that kind of prophet. He's not hearing from God and communicating it to the people. So then maybe secondarily, the prophet could take the heart of the people and communicate it back to God. But that's not what Habakkuk is doing either. Habakkuk is basically in this place where he's struggling to understand why, God, why would you allow evil? Why would you allow suffering? Why would you allow harm to come to your people? And he's confused. He's hurt. He's depressed and he feels abandoned, and he's questioning whether God cares, 
and he's questioning whether God has lost complete control. Has anybody ever been there before? Of course. Of course you have. He knew that God could intervene. He knew that God could. He was just wondering to himself, why haven't you intervened? So when you jump into Habakkuk chapter 1, which is all we're going to look at today, here's how it all starts out. He says this to God. God, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't, you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. It's, it's kind of like he's saying to God this. Um, hey, hey, God, I left you three voicemails. You haven't called me back. Hey, God, I sent you the emails. You haven't even read them. I know because I didn't get a read receipt back. Hey, God, I've sent you text messages, and you haven't even opened them. There's no check mark next to the box. This is his attitude before God. God, are you even hearing me? Or have I believed a lie? Right? Have I been walking down this journey called faith only to discover that you're off on some distant planet someplace, not even paying attention to what's going on here? And Habakkuk is confused. And he's frustrated. He doesn't understand why God won't intervene. But one thing we're going to learn today is this, that throughout this book, Habakkuk does one profound thing in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the suffering, that all of us need to apply to our life. And basically what he does is he lives out the very meaning of his name, Habakkuk. That word, when you go into the Old Testament, you go into the you know, ancient Hebrew, when you start searching the real meaning of the name, you could do it at home, by the way. Quickly, you're going to discover this. Here's the word that comes up all the time. Embrace. Embrace. And the connotation of the embrace is not like affectionate embrace, as if like I... I, I like, if I could wrap my arms around myself and, and you know, kind of do one of these things, like, I can't really get my arms around the bed. Oh, man, I love you. It's not, it's not that type of embrace. It's more like the bear hug embrace, where you, you, get, you grab a hold of something, you lock your hands together, or you just squeeze, like, like, I can take Israel, right, and I can pick him up, and I can squeeze him, because this is pawpaw tax, by the way, all right? And you take the grandkid, and you just, like, squeeze him, and they're like, <laughs> and you let him go. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. And you're like, yeah, don't mess with me. Like, I, I still have it, you know? Like, I still got it. But you know, like, you got that squeeze, that bear hug. It, it brings on this imagery of, like, I'm grabbing a hold of you, God, and I'm not letting go. I don't care where you go, right? I don't care where you move. I'm not going to let go. It's this wrestling with God. It's this embrace and this wrestling. And that's exactly what Habakkuk decides to do in the midst of this chaos, suffering, living at a time that he can't put it all together and he thinks God should do something different. You and me tend to respond in one of two classic ways when we're found in this dark spot. The first way that we tend to respond is that we can get calloused and we can kind of shrug off 
the suffering and the pain and go, I'll live through it. I'll get through this. And we just kind of put it there. We kind of step on top of it and we just kind of keep moving. And you know what happens when you, when you get your heart calloused towards pain and suffering. Eventually, like a cancer, it comes up and it comes up at some of the worst times. And so you, you experience the pain later or it just is a grinding pain that goes on. And some of us were even trained and taught, like, wipe those tears away. You know, pull, up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just get over things and keep moving forward. And some of us, that's what we brought into the emotional and spiritual state of suffering. Others are on an opposite end. And when we go through the dark moments of the pain where we can't figure it out and the suffering, we turn to God and we go, I can't believe that you would treat me that way. We stiff arm God and we walk the other way. These are two classic, wrong, by the way, ways that people tend to respond. There are others who have learned through multiple periods of suffering and pain, yes, turn to Jesus. He is my hope in the darkness. I get that, and I praise God for you, but that's not where every believer is at right now. And we need to figure out how to get there. So how do we get there? Well, you get there through embracing and wrestling. Let's just bring it down. Let's make it real for some of you. Let's just say that you're a young adult girl. You're in your 20s, maybe early 30s. You decided that you were going to honor God and you were going to maintain your virginity. And so that's what you did. And that's who you are right now. But now when you look around at all of your other girlfriends who didn't take that same approach, but yet they're happily married with, with families and with kids, and you're still single, what do you do? Do you just get all tough about it and I'll just get through it? Do you stiff arm God? Or do you embrace God and wrestle your way through it and go, God, I don't understand. Like, I sacrificed and others didn't. And it's as if they got everything I desired and I have nothing. What about the, I can't conceive, like, Britain tank? You know, what about that? Like, you've been praying and you've lived by faith, right? Only to discover that when you look around you, you don't have the kids, but people that don't even want kids are having kids. People are having kids that don't want them, and they're aborting kids. And you're like, I'm willing to love kids. Why are you, God, letting kids die in abortion when I can't even have a kid, and I would be willing to love them and raise them to honor you? What do you do? Just get calloused? Just break, brace yourself through it? Do you stiff-arm God and go, that's enough, man. This is chaos. I'm going to go make my own path. Instead of being obedient to you. Why about you that are being faithful in following God? You're faithfully following God. You're reading the Bible. You're praying. You're attending church every week. You're serving on a ministry team. And then like my son-in-law Tank, you lost your job. Or like another friend, you got cancer. Or like some others that I know, you lost your child. And you're sitting there and you're looking around at this world. You're going, God... What are you doing? Right? Like the sinful people are prospering, and here I am trying to be obedient to you, and I'm suffering. What are you doing? Do you, do you have this all figured out? What kind of response are you going to have? 
You're just going to get calloused and just press your way through it? You're going to stiff arm God and go, that's enough. I'm going, I'm going off on my own course. Are you going to embrace God and wrestle with God through this? Which one are you going to do? Because in the midst of your suffering and your pain, here's what good-meaning Christians are going to do. They're going to come alongside you. Okay, and this is what we do. I've done this as well. We come alongside, right, and we start saying things like, well, you know, you just got to have more faith. Just got to have more faith. You just got to hold on. God's got a plan, right? God is good. And all the time. And you're like, if God's so good, why hasn't he worked out a plan that's better than this pain, suffering, and junk that I'm living through then? Like, I'm ticked. I'm crying myself to sleep at night. I want answers. This isn't fair. And by the way, you say one more little Christianese thing, I'm probably going to punch you. <laughs> it's done with a good heart. Sometimes we just need to meet people in their pain and just lament with them. There's a third option that Habakkuk chose that we need to learn. And that's how do you, in, how do you embrace and wrestle through your pain with God. Because I'll tell you right now, I mean, if you're going through difficult times, the last thing you want to do is let go of God. The last thing you want to do is stiff arm him away. But it might feel like the last thing you want to do is get close to him as well. Because you're angry. And you're upset. And you're mad. Habakkuk chose the embrace. Let's read a little bit more of what he was saying. Let's continue with verse 3. Why must I watch all this misery, God? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Verse 4, the law has become paralyzed and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that justice has become perverted. Again, sounds like where we're living. But in these last two verses that we've read, it gives us this complaint that Habakkuk has with God. It gives us this concern, it gives us this main problem that he has with God. And basically it comes down to these three statements. And see if you've ever been in this place with God, right? God, it's just like you don't seem to really care. It doesn't feel like you care. You don't notice, it's, it's like you don't even notice the pain. You don't notice the suffering. It's like you don't care. The second argument that Habakkuk has with God is this, that you aren't doing much when you could, like if you're all powerful and you're completely in control, it's as if you're distant because you aren't doing much when I think that you probably could. And this third complaint and his third problem with God is this, what you are doing doesn't seem fair. We can all be in these places where you get finally to this point where you just go, God, if I were you, Finish the statement. Kind of, if, if I was God right now, this is what I would do in our nation. God, if I were you, this is what I would do with Britain Tank. God, if I were you, this is what I would do in your family situation. If you've been there, then you know, you know suffering. I want you to know today, here's the good news. God's okay with you questioning him. He's okay with your questions. 
He's okay with your complaint. He's okay with you telling him you're not fair. You, I don't know that you've got it all figured out right now. God is okay with your pain coming out toward him when you have chosen to embrace and wrestle with him to find his ways in the midst of your suffering. One-third of the Psalms, by the way, were written as a prayer or a song from suffering believers. Books like Job, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Jeremiah, written by believers going through painful situations. Jesus himself on the cross in Matthew chapter 27 says to the Father this question, why have you abandoned me? God is okay, guys, with your questions. God would rather you have questions in embracing him and wrestling with him to find his heart than he would for you to stiff arm him. So guys, what we need to do is we need to reach in. We need to lean into God in the midst of our suffering. When we walk through the dark seasons of life, when we walk through the uncertainty, the seasons that feel like we've been abandoned, we've got to lean in. We've got to embrace God. We've got to wrestle with him. Wrestle through our own feelings and our own emotions and wrestle with God because when you wrestle with God is when hope has a chance to grow inside of you. But just never forget While you're wrestling with God to discover his ways, remember this, God's ways are radically different than your ways. And when you come to the understanding of the the answer, if God even gives that to you, it might be radically different than what you even wanted to hear. That's what happened to Habakkuk. Here's what he got back in the response from God in verse 5. God says this to him, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day, something that you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. Pause for a second. That sounds like the next verse is going to be really good. Like, man, it's going to be so far beyond what you could ever imagine. It's going to be something that even if I told you, you would go, no way. Guys, that's how we think when we're in suffering. You know, what we want to do is we want to find the solution and we want the Disney World ending to this thing where we all live in peace and joy and happiness for the rest of our lives. That's what we want. Because we think somehow we've believed this lie about God. We think that God will never give me more than I can handle. Well, if you've ever said that, I want you to know this right now. That's not in the Bible. Oh, it is in the Bible when it comes to temptation. God will not give me too much temptation that I cannot bear. That, my friends, is true. But God never promised that you wouldn't have the heavy weight of burden and of suffering, so much so that you're thinking to yourself, I, don't, I think this is going to kill me. It's going to crush me. God never promised that we would avoid that. In fact, I think God allows suffering and times like even what my family are going through so that we will continue to seek him. Because guys, when, when things are going good, I guarantee you, I don't care who you are, I don't care what name you've got, I don't care what history, what lineage you have, when things are going good, we all tend to drift from God. It's when the heat gets turned up that we tend to drift back to him, embrace God, wrestle with him. So here's here's what God did when he finished verse 5 and went into verse 6. 
Here's what I'm doing that you'll never imagine. You can never guess it, Habakkuk. I'm going to raise up an enemy, the Babylonians. They're cruel and violent people. And basically, they're coming for you. Like, whoa, what? Question mark, question mark, question mark, dot, dot, dot. You know, weird looking face, emoji. Like, what in the world? That's not what I asked for. All I'm asking God is this. Like, don't you see that leaders are corrupt? Kill them. Just them. Just move them on. Right? Don't you see that the the judicial system is corrupt, God? Like, fix it. You can do it. Snap your fingers. Wave the little magic wand. Do it. God, don't you see that your synagogue, your church is empty? Fill it. That's all I'm asking for. I just want to get back to normal. And God's like, look, the only, the road back to my normal is going to come through more suffering. And that's what God does in this situation. It makes no sense. And it doesn't seem fair. But what do we see our good, faithful, little prophet man doing? He's along for the ride. And he's hanging on tight. And he's wrestling with God. And he says these words back to him. Oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, surely you do, you do not have a plan to wipe us out, right? Oh Lord, our rock, you, you sent these Babylonians to correct us, to, to punish us for many sins. But, but, but you're pure and, and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they, like us? And what you see here is him embracing and wrestling. He embraces God. Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you're eternal. Like, oh, man, I believe that about you. And I'm going to give you a big bear hug, God. Like, ah. And then he wrestles with him. But surely you don't plan to wipe us out. Like, God, you got different plans than that. Like, it sounds like, it sounds like your idea isn't going to work out. It's not going to work out the way you're looking, like you're thinking. I think these guys are going to wipe us out. I think they might kill us all. Are you sure that's what you want? Then he embraces like a bear hug. Oh, Lord, how rock. I got to hang on to you, even though I don't understand it all. And then he wrestles with him, and he says, but you sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us of our many sins. Are you sure that that's the right way? Isn't there a different way? Can't you send maybe another prophet that the people would listen to more than me? Can't we go about this a different way? And then he embraces God and he holds on to him again. He says, but you're pure and you cannot stand the side of evil. I know that about you. And he goes back and forth between what he knows and what he doesn't like about God's plan. What he knows and what he's suffering in right now. Guys, that's our prayer when we go through the dark times. Our prayer, it's going to sound that way. It's okay that it flip-flops. It feels like you're double-minded, but you are not when you're embracing and you're wrestling with God. I know this about you, but why don't you do it? And that's where he gets to the end. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked, these Babylonians, swallow up us? If your prayers sound anything like that, when you're walking through the deepest, darkest valleys of your life, I want you to know it's probably more normal than you think. And this is just chapter one, and this is where most people ditch God and they walk the other direction. 
And when they're going through suffering, they stiff arm him and they go and do what they want to do. But I want you to know God would rather you question him and have you wrestle with him than to walk away from him. So church, don't deny in your prayer with God in the midst of your suffering. Don't, don't deny your doubts. Don't deny your feelings of suffering, your pain. Don't deny those things. But let those things lead you back to embracing and wrestling with God. This is chapter one. Chapter two, it's not going to get much better. Chapter three, there's a reward basically for the embracing and wrestling with God through things that you don't know. Which reminds me of Psalms 23. That even though I walk through a dark valley, you are with me. And can we just trust God that he's with us in whatever dark valley you're walking through? And can you give yourself the, uh, the freedom just to embrace and wrestle with God versus just callously walking through it or stiff-arming God? Right? Can you just... Can you come alongside someone else who is suffering right now and instead of just giving them the Christianese answers, can we just get with them and just maybe cry with them? Can I just tell you, look, I'm not, I'm not very good at this. Like, there's a lot that I need to grow in this area. And if we can just admit that, like, look, this is not my natural, but God, this is what, this is what you want me to do with other believers. Can I just get with them and just talk with them? Can I just hear what they're saying? Can I kill? Hey, what does your prayer sound like right now? And just come alongside them and can we pray with them in their same hurt and their same pain? Can we just walk life with them? That's what God's asking us to do. So today what I, what I want you to do is just embrace God, get a hold of God, cling to God, wrestle with God today, wrestle with God through this series with whatever pain and suffering and anguish you might be going through. And when the day comes that you walk through it and you're not now, then embrace and wrestle God. Find the answer. Because God, God's in complete control, even when it doesn't seem like it. We're going to sing a song that says that even when I don't see that you're moving, you're faithful. Like even when I don't feel it, you're faithful. You never stop, you never stop working. Why don't you stand with me? And let's, uh, let's pray. And let's spend a couple of moments just embracing God, grabbing a hold of him in the midst of where we're at as a nation, the midst of where you're at as a family. Just grab a hold of God. This is where you need to run to. Don't stiff arm him anymore. Don't be calloused. Just grab a hold of God and go, God, I don't understand it all, but I'm going to hang on to you through all of this. Father, we thank you that you are our solid rock. And even when we don't see that you're moving, Lord, we believe that you're still in control. Even when we don't feel it, even when it feels like everything's spiraled out of control, God, we know that this is true. You have not forsaken us. You have not abandoned us. Give me faith to believe that in the midst of pain. Give us faith to believe that in the midst of suffering. Give us faith to believe that in the midst of chaos and feeling abandoned. Lord, renew our faith. Restore our trust in you. 
rekindle the fire in us that causes us to embrace you, wrestle with you instead of distancing ourselves and separating ourselves from you, who we really need right now. We need you more than we could ever imagine that we need you right now. And so, Lord, I just, I really, I just symbolically embrace you. And I thank you for the grace that allows me to wrestle, ask the tough questions. And Lord, thank you for your faithfulness that you will lead me to truth if I don't let go. May we not let go of you in this season of chaos so that we would find the truth that you're leading us to. In Jesus' name, amen.